which is where that self-love, acceptance, forgiveness, all those things come in. Because if we all work on that, if we all learn how to do that, then when somebody asks how we are, we're not ashamed. We don't need to look like we're perfect. We are who we are. And we're perfect just because that's exactly who we are. All the things included. The easy stuff, the harder stuff, everything in between. And we can actually be able to share. And through that, people realize that we're all a lot more alike than we think. Mm-hmm. The people who look like they have it all together sometimes don't. Right. The people who don't look like they have it all together sometimes have a lot of it together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that we all really just want the same things. Deep down inside, we all want love and acceptance mm-hmm. and connection. But how are we supposed to have that if we're so scared of letting people see who we really are? Because we don't love and accept ourselves and we're not connected to our true selves. Welcome to another episode of the Share Your Stories series, exploring humanity one heart at a time. This is a podcast experience where we get to meet each other and learn from each other's life journeys. I'm your host, Jenny Diltz, and I am the founder of Grieving Coach, and my website is grievingcoach.com. Before we begin, I wanted to share a little bit about the story behind this series. I've been interviewing on other podcasts. Uh, series is, and I've been networking with many, many amazing people lately. And as I've been meeting them, I've learned so much. And their stories have included many gold nuggets that I wish I could just shout to the world. Um, And thanks to the nonprofit organization Reimagine, I have that opportunity and the support to host podcast interviews where people can come together and experience these stories live, just as I have done. These interviews are recorded here in the Reimagine events, and then I take them and edit them and publish them in my public podcasting space um, hosted through anchor.fm. And my podcast channel is Jenny-Diltz-Grieving-Coach, one word. So today, I'm excited to be talking with Raina Sweeney, who is a burnout coach with a degree in communication studies and certified professional coach credential from the Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching. Raina is poised to take your life to the next level. Not only has she studied what makes people go from status quo to thriving in all aspects of life, she has lived it herself. For the majority of her teen years and all the way through her 20s, Raina struggled with self-acceptance, self-love and compassion, which showed up as mental health issues, self-sabotage, and never thinking she was worthy of her many accomplishments. She felt she was living someone else's life. Happiness was fleeting and joy was nowhere to be found. She searched everywhere for answers and slowly began to uncover what true joy was all about. Now, after honing in on this practice, she has made it her life's journey to share what she has learned firsthand with the world. Rena, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Jenny. This is wonderful. This is exciting. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and what an honor to be interviewed with you and being on your show. I'm, I'm very grateful. It's all about connection. Yeah, absolutely. Your mission statement is my life's purpose is to raise the consciousness of the world one person at a time by empowering people to dig deeply, honestly, and objectively into their energy and unconscious thought patterns to assess who they are and who they want to become. I love this so much. How did you get to this purpose? Thank you. Thank you. Um, It's been (laughs) a very, very long journey to get there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think the root of it is um, my life really changed when 
I became aware of my thought patterns um, and my beliefs that I had. Um, and I started, so I started to realize once I kind of got into my thought processes and my belief system that <clears throat> a lot of that, a lot of the things I was thinking or a lot of the thoughts that were going through my head weren't actually my thoughts. They were um, thoughts from external resources, whether that's, you know, um, uh, our society, family, friends, all the shoulds and shouldn'ts and musts and must nots. Um, and then really assessing, once I realized that, that I realized that my belief system was actually based on those thoughts. And I thought that was a little strange because um, those thoughts aren't my thoughts. So why would my belief system be built on something that wasn't actually me? And so it was a very long journey through um, kind of like what you said through this like self-love, acceptance, forgiving myself for my past, um, creating boundaries. I mean, a lot of different things involved to actually get to know my true self and who I really am and at, at, at the core. And through that, um, the deep, deep rooted pain that I had started to transform itself into joy and started to feel like I was actually here living this life, making connections. Like it didn't matter what was going on around me. I, there was still joy in the moment. I was still grateful to be experiencing whatever hardship it was or whatever wonderful um, experience was happening uh, and everything in between. Um, and so because that transformed my life so much, um, this is what I wanna do for the world. I wanna transform everyone's pain. <laughs> if I could do it on a worldly basis, that'd be amazing. <laughs> um, but be able to transform pain into joy. and. Um, now that I've had, now that I've cultivated those tools and I know they work because I use them on myself, I use them on my clients. Um, that's, that's really where that mission statement comes from is um, being able to just transform the energy, transform um, all that pain into, into joy. Yeah. Thank you. I love mm -hmm. how you say that you can hold the space for the hard times and also the joyous times and still have joy in both. Yeah, absolutely. Because joy is different than happiness, right? Happiness is, um, you know, you got a raise at work. You, uh, somebody gave you a big compliment or you're just having a good day. And it's, it's this kind of this fleeting thing and everybody's searching for happiness and going after happiness. But happiness is, is only the good feelings. It's only the... Um, Nothing lasts forever. No emotion lasts forever. We fluctuate all day long. We fluctuate. Mm -hmm. And so chasing after happiness is different than chasing after joy. Joy is this, this, this expansive state that you can be in and you can still have pain and joy at the same time. It's not an exclusive emotion. Yeah. In an earlier conversation with me, you mentioned some of the pains that you have experienced like mental health for 20 years, including severe depression, bipolar two, two suicide attempts. Yeah. What have you learned from these experiences? So very much. <laughs> um, and I'm so grateful for it as well. And um, I wouldn't be here today helping the people that I help if I hadn't gone through those experiences. Uh, and some of the things I learned along the way is, um, I want to acknowledge before I before I move on that um, you know depression and anxiety, brain chemicals um, are definitely involved, and medication is wonderful. Nutritional supplements are wonderful, um, and that's not to discredit them at all. Um, and there's another portion of depression, um, and I found that even if people take care of the chemical imbalance, being able to rewrite their daily behaviors their daily thought processes, their belief systems will actually make it so that depression and anxiety lessen, go away completely, um, and you can actually really recover from it. Uh, and so I learned 
that depression from what I've experienced was a lot of being stuck in the past, beating myself up about the past that I did, didn't do, um, you know, for being able to forgive myself for um, all of the things I didn't know and all of the things I did know and acted differently. And that was a huge healing process for me to be able to go back and say, you know, I forgive myself fully and completely for all of the things I didn't know, for all the things I did know, and really be able to have that. Because there's one thing forgiving other people in the past, right? Yeah. Some people find that really easy. And they're like, oh yeah, I forgave everybody. That, that terrible thing happened and I totally forgave them. But have you forgiven yourself in that situation for the way that you showed up in that moment? Mm-hmm. And so that was deeply powerful. Um, and depression is also, at least what I've experienced, is these wearing of, of, of masks. It's like a the ultimate non-self-acceptance you you push your true self down because you know whatever happened makes you not worthy makes you you know fill in the blank enough and so we present ourselves in the world as these people that we think we should be as these people that are people pleasers right we grew up Mm -hmm. pleasing our parents we grew up doing the things that wouldn't get us in trouble even if our inner self really wanted to do whatever that was, if it was against the the societal rules, even if we weren't hurting anybody, if it was against our family rules, even if we weren't hurting anybody, we weren't allowed to do it. So we did what we could to keep ourselves from getting in trouble. And so some people take that into their adulthood and keep those masks on and keep doing those things that that please the people around them. Mm -hmm. And what happens is we build up all these masks and at some point, you just can't do it anymore. You get exhausted, you're tired, you're burnt out. It's too much effort to keep up all those masks and depression sinks in. You go to that really low energy level and you're fed up. You're like, I can't do it anymore. I'm exhausted. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And then I'm a no good, terrible person. Real starts in the head right? Because you can't do it. You can't keep up all those things. You can't please the people around you. You must be worth nothing. And that's like the deep, deep, deep depression that cultivates. And on the other kind of aspect, this anxiety feeling is the fear that people are going to find out that you're a fraud. People are going to find out who you really are on the inside. And because you hate that person, or because you think that person's not worthy of love, acceptance, good friendships, healthy relationships, a good job, whatever it is, you are so scared that someone's going to find out. And so that's where some anxiety sinks in and that, that fear sinks in. And it's that futuring that happens. Depression is going to the past. Anxiety is going to the future. Mm-hmm. And learning that for myself was huge because um, I put down all the masks <laughs> and, and I can tell every single time when I start to bring one up again, because the negative thoughts start reeling in my head and I have to stop myself and go, what am I doing? That's not in alignment with my authentic true self. I have to stop because I'm, I'm beating myself up on the inside. And I love myself. I've done all this work and it's a continual process, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so that's where I catch myself. And I'm like, okay, where am I not showing up authentically in my life? Okay, I got, I just switched gears a little bit in that spot and then everything runs smoothly again. And I feel good and stable and my mental health is good. And so learning to accept myself as I am fully and completely Mm -hmm. as the extremely sensitive being that I am and being able to fully embrace that and love every single part of it, even the parts that, you know, 
might not look so shiny and glamorous and the parts that I struggle with it's you know that's who I am and I and I love who I am because I am who I am right now because of all those parts yeah so those were some big lessons for me (laughs) going through all of that and you know I also learned that the suicide part um I've had not people close to me, but people who are close to me's loved ones. So Uh an extension commit suicide. And um, because I've been there, I've been able to help them through that process a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because there's all those questions of like, I didn't know. And how come I didn't know? And if I could have just done this, and if I could have just done that. And to be able to say, you know, I don't know exactly what was going on for them, but I know in my situation, I didn't want anybody to know. That's the whole point. Right. You don't want anybody to stop you. So you're not going to tell anybody. You finally found a way out because life is just too much. And you finally, you know, I found a way out and this is my way out. I can rest. I don't have to put up with all this anymore. And and so, of course, family members didn't know. Of course, people who mm-hmm. were really close to them didn't know. Yeah. When I told people that I've been depressed and anxious anxious for, like, I think at that time, it was probably like 10 years, my best friend was like, are you really? I had no idea. I'm like, of uh, course, because I don't show myself when I'm depressed. I lay in bed all day. Yeah. <laughs> And then when I feel good, I come out and we have fun and everything's great mm-hmm. or depression's going on in the background, but I'm highly functional because I know what's expected me, of me in life. And so I push through it. Yeah. So of course, people don't know when others are struggling unless we actually have those deep conversations and we sit down with our loved ones and ask them really what's going on. How are they really doing? Because a lot of times when you ask, how are you? The response is good. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. because that's just our you know I lived in Germany for a year and I met a friend there and she asked me how I was and I said that and she just looked at me and went are we not friends <laughs> yes I'm like we're having coffee together like I'm super excited to meet a new friend and she's like well do you not want me to know about your life and I was so confused because <laughs> our American culture that's a very appropriate response good yeah, yeah, How yeah. Good. And then you move on. But to really have those deep conversations and listen and ask if you notice, you know, your loved one or your close friend or even a colleague at work has been acting a little differently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ask about people's personal lives because we're not trained to actually divulge that information. Right. And, at this point, I totally forgot your question, but I was just on a, on a reel. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's totally awesome because that's the way it flows. Awesome. <laughs> um, so some things that came out for me in, in this section were um, self-forgiveness, taking off the masks, having these deep conversations, and they're all related. So how can we, and it, it's, there's, there are two sides of it. It's how can I take off my mask? How can I forgive myself? How can I be open to the deep conversations? And then there's the the other side. How can I help others do those things? I think um, those go hand in hand because when we do learn to forgive ourselves, accept ourselves, love ourselves. Other people see us doing that. And if you really forgive yourself and love yourself, you're not ashamed of your past or your present. And you're more willing willing to share that with other people and have those vulnerable conversations and be really open. And just by other people seeing that, it's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the first few times that I saw someone who looked like me talk about having depression, I thought, oh my gosh, if, okay, well, if she did it, I can do it. And, you know, 
my view of what depression looked like, which was like, you know, a person who hasn't showered for three weeks, laying in bed with garbage all around them. Mm -hmm. That was my view of it to then have that acknowledged within myself because that person did the work because that person learned how to forgive themselves, love themselves, accept themselves. Yeah. And I think that is um, where it starts is with ourselves. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we all have different levels of this acceptance and self-love and, um, you know, I've talked to people who are like, I love myself. I think I'm great. Mm -hmm. And then I'm having a little bit of a more of an intimate moment with them getting ready to go out and, uh, have some drinks together or whatever. And they're like, wait a minute, I have to change these pants because my muffin tops hanging over and I look disgusting. I'm like, do you love yourself? Mm-hmm. Is that is that fully fully sunken in in there? And I think we get to those spots when we do some self reflecting, and that forgiveness piece is needed in order to have acceptance, and that acceptance piece is needed in order to have self love. Yeah, and the forgiveness piece really starts. I mean, what I have my clients do. Um, is write down all of the different things in their past that they feel shame for, that they wish they would have done differently, mm-hmm. that they still think of constantly. And they still think, you know, if I just would have done this, I just would have done that. If I could have just, all those things, you write them all down so that they're out. You can see them, they're tangible. They're no longer inside of you. They are uh, not a part of you anymore. When we hold them inside, they're part of us, or they feel like they're part of us still, even though they're in the past and they're no longer happening. So we write them all down and sit with them and be with them and look at them and know that that's what you've been holding inside. And the process for forgiving yourself looks different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of it is, you know, going, I mean, for me, I would, I, I've done this process for myself and I would go story by story and think of the things that I was holding on to in that story and say, I completely and fully forgive myself for all of the things I did in that moment, for all the things I didn't know, for all the things I did know and acted differently, mm-hmm. for all the things I didn't have control over for all the things I did have control over, but didn't use it. And just go one by one, forgiving myself and allowing that emotional response to come up and allowing those emotions to come out and fully, fully feel them. Yeah. And that's a really, really powerful process. Um, It goes deeper when you, um, as you know, being a coach, when you put coaching with it, then you know, and being able to be coached through that process and acknowledge those feelings and release those feelings and release those blocks and really get to the heart of it. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when we do these processes by ourselves, it's really important um, that we do give ourselves that space to be with it ourselves and process whatever feelings those are happening. Sometimes though a feeling will come up that we don't want to feel. Yeah. And then we just tuck it away and go, oh, that's not actually there. Okay, I forgive myself. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'll move on to the next one. Oh, that same feeling just came up and I'm I'm just gonna talk about it. That's icky. I can't I can't go there. And a lot of that tends to be shame. Shame is one of those things that's really deeper, deeply rooted that no one wants to look at. Mm-hmm. Brene Brown does a really good job on, you know, uh uncovering shame in, in, in numerous different ways and kind of normalizing it, which I love. Um So being able to work with somebody, whether it's a therapist or a coach or someone that you trust going through these things um, and having them like stop you and say, okay, what's coming up in that moment? Mm -hmm. You know, I noticed you don't want to go down this road, but you said you want to do this work and you said that you want to get to this. So let's go down that road in a very safe, loving and supportive way. Yeah. And be able to touch those emotions and be able to touch those thought processes that are happening so that they're no longer part of us. Mm-hmm. 
so that forgiveness piece is huge, but then that acceptance piece, you know, you can forgive yourself, but you might not accept that that happened still. It's yeah. slightly different, you know, oh, I forgave myself for those terrible things I did to myself or those terrible things I did to other people or all those terrible things that happened to me. Like I totally forgive myself, but I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to, you know, someone else is sharing it with me. I'm not going to tell them that that also happened to me. Like, I forgive myself. It's in my past. I don't even want to go there. That acceptance is that's part of me. It's in the past. I forgave myself. What did I learn from it? Mm-hmm. How'd that actually benefit my life? And I know that sounds really weird because we're talking about like deep rooted pain and suffering and all these, you know, sometimes it can be deep trauma. And to think of it as how it benefited me or how did it, what, what did it teach me in that moment? Yeah. Is huge. And a lot of times that's where boundaries come in and realizing, oh, I didn't, I, 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 maybe still as an adult, I don't even have any boundaries. I don't even know how to set up a boundary. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what my boundaries are because I don't, I just say yes to everything because I don't want to offend anybody or I want to be looked at in this light or that light or, you know, that's uncomfortable to say no. I don't even know what it's like to say no. And no just seems so rude. Mm -hmm. But when you look at boundaries and you really look at what healthy boundaries are, it's self-love. It's loving yourself enough to know where your limits are. When to say, you know what? I think I've had enough. Thank you so much for whatever. So yeah, it's, it's, that, it's that part of self-love. You know, if you if you don't have boundaries, you're not acknowledging the fact that you have limits and we all have limits. I mean, mm-hmm. we all would love to be superwoman and superman and all the things. Um, and we can be when we have healthy boundaries, yeah. when we respect ourselves, when we rest when we need to rest, when we love people who make us actually feel good and, and they fill up, they, they, they add to our lives instead of loving people who don't treat us well or staying in relationships that are toxic for us, whether it's work, romance, friends, whatever it is, mm-hmm. knowing where your boundaries are, knowing emotional boundaries, physical boundaries, all of them, and being able to exercise them in a way that feels supportive because sometimes I talk about boundaries and people are like, well, I told that person I'm not doing that anymore. I'm like, okay. So what level of energy? That's a, (laughs) I'm I'm IPEC trained. And so we we have an energy leadership index that I reference all the time. Uh Um, And there's different levels of energy. So we tapping into them, you can kind of create different responses. Right. So like what I just said would be a level two, whereas like anger and frustration, I win, you lose. Uh-huh. But if you came from it like a level four where it's compassion and love and I love you and you win. And if I win too, cool, but like I love you and focuses on you, mm-hmm. then that says, you know what? Thank you so much for inviting me to the party. I really, really want to go and I really want to spend time with you. And right now, I just really need to rest tonight. It's been mm-hmm. a really long week. But next time, please invite me. Yeah. Two totally different responses. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Where you're supporting yourself and you're also supporting the person in front of you. Mm-hmm. And that is more of a collaborative response. Those are healthy boundaries. That's coming from self-love. That's how we put ourselves first and don't become selfish. They're two different things. Yeah. Self-care versus selfish. Yeah, exactly. Self-care. And, you know, there's self-care and there's pampering. There's, 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 there's a difference. Um, I get these uh, wonderful care package boxes in the mail and it was like a a self-care box. And I was really curious to see what would come in it and um, sent them to a few of my clients as well. And I love them. Absolutely love them. Um, They have like bath bombs and face masks and they have some makeup and uh, one came with a journal and I'm like, yeah, 
this is like a reminder to slow down and, and pay attention to yourself. But is that what we really mean by self-care? Like is the only form of self-care taking a bath, putting a face mask on, like mm -hmm. doing things to our physical body? Is that the only form of self-care? No, there's so many more levels. And being able to know, like I think of self-care as, you know, that cup analogy, you have that cup and um, giving from your cup is not having boundaries. You give from your overflow of that cup. And the things that fill up that cup are, that, is, are those self-care items. Mm -hmm. And so that might look like sleep. That might look like going out in nature. That might look like telling somebody no who you don't really want to hang out with because they drain you every single time you mm -hmm. hang out with them. That might look like reaching out to a loved one and saying, hey, I really miss you and I want to spend some time with you. Mm -hmm. It can look like a lot of different things. It can look like crying your eyes out for an hour because you just can't take anything anymore. And you know that's, you know, you cry your eyes out for an hour and you feel some relief. Mm -hmm. It fills your cup a little bit. So there's multiple levels. There's mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, that all cup, that all fill that cup. Yeah. But I see a lot of times self-care just goes to that physical component. Mm-hmm. And we forget about the emotions and we forget about the spiritual and we forget about the mental. And that's really what keeps your cup full is doing all of those things. Mm -hmm. And then being able to give from your overflow. That's where you give from is your overflow. And then when that happens, there's exhaustion. There's no such thing. Tired, yes right? And then you, then you feed your cup. The right. exhaustion is when that cup is empty and there's nothing to give and you just keep giving and you just keep giving. Do you think that leads some people into that downward spiral of mental illness or, or not mental illness? I don't like that, yeah. that phrase because that invites negative stigma. Absolutely. Mental health opportunities. I think so. Definitely. I, I know that true, that's true for myself. I know that's true for a lot of people I've talked to is that I think exhaustion sometimes can be that first step. Mm -hmm. And then when you go beyond exhaustion, that's where depression sinks in. And that's where, you know, I, I like to think of depression as deep rest. It's not that you need rest anymore, you need deep rest. And that's why we lay in bed for two weeks. <laughs> Awesome. That's why our body's like, okay, I'm done. I'm tapping out. I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. There's nothing left. And on top of it, those negative thoughts that go around in circles, right? Because you're not enough. Mm -hmm. If you were enough, your cup would be full and you'd be giving from your overflow and everybody would love you and everybody, all the things would be right in the world and there would be no frustration or pain in your life and everybody would, you, you would be exactly who everybody else needs you to be. When in reality, we need ourselves to be us mm -hmm. so that we can find the people in our lives who support us and who we can support. Yeah. And we become an alignment with people that want us to just be ourselves and like us just because we're ourselves. I know it's a crazy concept. <laughs> I laugh, but I'm super serious. And, uh -huh. and, and it's not just a, there's so many levels and there are so many dynamics that, that go into all of this. Um, and it really, it like, it, you really need to want to do that deep work. Mm -hmm. Because if you can learn how to give from your overflow, chemical imbalances aside, depression, anxiety will not show up. Or maybe they will for a split second and you just realign yourself. Like I was saying earlier, where I yeah. can, start to say, oh, Raina, what, what, how are you not showing up authentically? 
okay, realign yourself. Okay, go move on as opposed to being depressed for months. Right. So I find in my grief work, there's a lot of resistance to doing this kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of resistance to accepting and leaning in and going to these dark shadow, painful places. What advice would you give to someone who's wanting to do the work, but scared or hesitant or blocked for whatever reason to move forward with it? It makes total sense when people don't want to dive in and don't want to move forward. You're basically saying, I want to feel all those terrible feelings that I'm trying to run from. Mm-hmm. And you know that you're going to have to face those feelings that you've been trying to run from and all that deep hurt that's inside that you've been trying to push down makes total sense why you wouldn't want to tap into that. Yeah. It's pain. Yeah. We do everything in our lives to try to avoid pain. And sometimes even just the thought of opening up that box seems like it's too much, but having someone by your side who can guide you through that, who can really dive deep. Mm-hmm. in a safe environment and be able to process those emotions and feelings in a guided, safe, um, sounds silly, but strategic way Yeah, is really important. Because I do understand that sometimes when someone opens a box, it's really hard to close it again. And then how are you supposed to function the rest of the week? Because you just opened some really big hurt and now it's just present with you. Yeah. So having somebody by your side who's able to help you process, who's able to help you dive deep, who's able to help you um, get to the bottom of really what's going on for you. Mm -hmm. And then be able to not so much put the lid back on the box, leave that lid open, but give you skills to be able to handle when that lid is open. Give you skills to know that you can trust yourself to feel those emotions that don't feel so good. Yeah. And learn that those emotions that don't feel so good are actually there trying to tell you something. It's a lot of what I do in my work is figuring out what those emotions are trying to tell you because our emotions are there trying to communicate with us. Mm -hmm. That's how we get in touch with our higher self sometimes is just through those emotions and being able to tap into them and listen to them as opposed to being scared of them and thinking of them as bad or negative, but really being able to tap in, really being able to listen and know what it's trying to tell you then you start looking at your emotions as helpers, mm-hmm. something that's productive, as something that's an insight, as something that will get you closer to your true self, that will get you closer to that joy, that will release those that pain. And so when people are scared to, to jump in and, and re-examine and look at that, but they're ready, just find somebody who can, who can do that with you, who can support you along the way. Yeah. I mean, I recommend it for everybody because, you know, we all need, you know, someone to help guide us through the really difficult parts. Um, and I had people along the way who, who did that for me mm-hmm. um, until I, you know, kind of learned how to do it for myself. Um, and I think that's really crucial is to reach out and, and have a community and have someone to support you um, through that. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to do this work until they've hit rock bottom. And they're like, oh my gosh, there's no way out. I can't, there's the only way I see is through. So I'm diving in, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And then I also see people who are on the other side of depression and anxiety, they've gotten some relief. And they are uh, stable and they feel good and building the life they want. 
but that fear is in the background mm-hmm. that maybe tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to have depression again. That depression is going to be back. The clouds are going to be covering my sunshine yeah. or I'm going to wake up in the morning to a panic attack because that's what used to happen to me. And there's that constant fear just cycling in the background, cycling in the background. So even though they seem like they're stable, they feel like they're stable, you know, all of the things are in order. That fear sometimes feels like they're in a cage and they can't actually let go. And so working through that process of, you know, okay, so let's let's dive into what's going on for you in, in, in those moments and What's that, what's that communicating to you? What's that, I'll, I'll, what, what's, your, what's your view of depression and anxiety? Because there's so yeah. many stigmas out there, right? There's, I mean, mm-hmm. years ago when I was studying all this, I came up with some crazy statistic and I don't remember the exact numbers, but the stigma of mental health out overrides whatever mental, mental health issue or hardship that person's going through. Right. If we stigmatize ourselves or if other people are stigmatizing us, it's worse than the actual struggle of mental health, mm-hmm. which I thought was incredible. <laughs> um, and so people can still do that when they don't have, when, when depression is gone, when anxiety is gone, they can still have that stigma. They can still have that fear that it's going to come back. And so working through that is really important as well. Yeah. So if we're not struggling with depression, anxiety, fear, mm-hmm. how can we help ourselves and others decrease that stigma? Yeah, I think talking about it's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to, I know when I was in my early 20s, um, nobody was talking about mental health. Yeah. That was quite a long time ago, but um nobody was talking about it. I didn't have any outlet. Um, all of the commercials on TV made it sound like I was supposed to be not functional. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. And now that I'm older, I see people my age talking about when they were depressed in their earlier years. And now I know I wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. And now I feel normal. And now I feel like, oh, okay, this happens to everybody. But back then, I thought I was the only one. Mm-hmm. So the more we talk about it and the more we normalize it when we talk about it, I think it's extremely important. And I think that is the biggest thing. I mean, representation matters in all walks of life. Yeah. And humans are such connective beings. I think this pandemic has shown us just how um, social we need to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, And so being able to make those connections, being able to make the connections that, oh my gosh, Jenny, you too, me too. Oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one. That will lessen the stigma. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think the other part is really listening and and talking to people and um, asking, like I was saying earlier, asking how people are doing. Yeah. And in a very genuine, I want to know, okay, great. How are you doing emotionally? You know, my partner and I will be like, hey, how are you doing? And one of us will be like, "Mm -hmm. physically, mentally, emotionally, what are you asking? Awesome. All the above. We want, we want to know all the above. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, to acknowledge that there's like different parts of us, you know, my physical body could feel great, but my emotions right now, you know, I want to cry or whatever it is, but just really not only talking about what you're experiencing, but asking people to talk about what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, especially in our culture, we're trained to give very surface level and we don't give deeper unless somebody really shows that they are engaged, that they care. 
that yeah. they actually really do want to know mm-hmm. because God forbid we should let somebody see that we're not perfect. Right. You know, can I trust you to tell you that I'm not perfect? I'm, uh, I don't know. Do you really care? You do care? Okay, cool. I'll open up then. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise you're going to tell other people that I'm not perfect. And that makes me feel really insecure about myself. Mm-hmm. which is where that self-love acceptance forgiveness all those things come in because if we all work on that if we all learn how to do that then when somebody asks how we are we're not ashamed we don't need to look like we're perfect we are who we are and we're perfect just because that's exactly who we are all the things included the easy stuff the harder stuff everything in between that we can actually be able to share. And through that, people realize that we're all a lot more alike than we think. Mm-hmm. The people who look like they have it all together sometimes don't. Right. The people who don't look like they have it all together sometimes have a lot of it together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that we all really just want the same things deep down inside we all want love and acceptance Mm -hmm. and connection but how are we supposed to have that if we're so scared of letting people see who we really are because we don't love and accept ourselves and we're not connected to our true selves wow yeah What came up for you right there? Um, the power of self-love and self-acceptance. And also, when we can give that to ourselves, how much of an impact and how big of a gift that can be to others. Yeah. And it just expands exponentially yeah so it's not that's why i say there's it's completely different than being selfish right right it's that is the most pure authentic very powerful thing that can it connects us all it connects us all it allows us to love ourselves and others and for all of us to be in, in connection and in community and understand each other and, and realize that we are we are all in this together. The mm-hmm. pandemic has showed us that, right? It's worldwide. Oh my gosh. We all have something in common now. But right. we also always had something in common. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it just takes a worldwide pandemic to... <laughs> Open our eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Open our eyes to what, what really matters and what's most important and how we are all connected. Yeah. Wonderful. This has been so amazing. Thank you so much, Raina, for opening up to us and letting us get a glimpse of who you are and what your journey has been like. Um. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. And thank you for allowing me to share my story to hopefully get it out there to, you know, help other people, make other people not feel alone who Mm -hmm. might be struggling to know that, you know, we're all more alike than than we think. And I really appreciate you for giving my voice a voice. And it's been an honor to be on your show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, I will, we have a few minutes to open it up for questions. If anybody would like to ask Rena a question. I don't bite. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Um, well, I'm just interested to know where we might be able to find um, more about Raina's work? Like, does she have a website or um, 
you might have shared that at the beginning and maybe I didn't catch it, but. Yeah, I do have a website. It's rainasweeney.com. Um, and all the information you need is, is on there. Um, and I would like to offer just for people who, who are listening to this, um, I, I appreciate you being here and I'm big on giving gifts um, for people who are showing up and being present. And so um, if you mention this podcast, 15% um, off all my packages that I do as well. And I would love to connect and, and hear from, from all of you. So thanks for asking that question. Thank you. Yeah. You beat me to it actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we're going to go next. <laughs> so it's a good segue. <laughs> um, where else can people find you, Raina? Um, I'm also on Instagram. Um, and I'm probably mostly active on LinkedIn. Um, I think Instagram, you can find me burnout uh, under dash coach under dash Raina, R A I N A. Um, those are the platforms that I'm, that I'm mostly active on. And I would love to hear from all of you and any of you who have any questions, need some insights, um, anything at all, please reach out. And you can also email me at info at Raina Sweeney, that's R-A-I-N-A-S-W-E-E-N-E-Y.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Raina. You're welcome. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, join us next time when we meet Laura Toop, major transitions coach. She experienced the loss of her husband, career, and health in quick, quick succession. <laughs> now she radiates magic as she helps others navigate the gap of loss and transition. And if you want to learn more about my work, my work can be found on my website, grievingcoach.com. Um, like Raina, I'm also active on LinkedIn, Jenny Diltz hyphen grieving coach and Facebook, Jenny Rencher Adults. So keep on keeping on, keep on connecting with others, and most importantly, keep on connecting with yourself. Thank you very much. Thank you.